On today's episode, we talk about are you putting in enough work to see the results that you want to be seeing and are maybe mad about not getting. So we take a look in the mirror, we go through what consistency should look like, the areas that you need to be consistent in, and how long it should actually take to see realistic results and the patience you need to have. You hear all the bull about diet and exercise. Carbs are evil. Do more cardio. Never eat bread or cookies again. Just do a juice cleanse. We get it. We fell for all of the BS too. It's time to go right to the source with the truth about how to live a healthy, sustainable lifestyle. I am Liz. And I'm Becca. We are your nutrition educators, and this is The Food Code. Happy Friday, everyone. It's officially March, which means technically spring is coming. March 20th, my sister's birthday. I always know that because it's my sister's birthday. I am. One of my toxic traits is not remembering people's birthdays. I need it to be in a calendar Mm -hmm. or give me an alert on Facebook. Yeah. If you're not on Facebook and I don't see it, like, I'm sorry. No, it's bad. It's really bad because I forget family ones too sometimes, like immediate. Well, it's hard. Like for me, I have five siblings and I have 13 or 14 nephews, great nephews. And so I was telling my dad, actually, I wanted to create like a family calendar that's like an address book and it tells us people's birthdays and stuff and have everybody update their address too. Because one of my brothers has moved a couple of times. Mm -hmm. My sister's moved a couple of times and I'm like, if I wanted to send them something, I don't even think I'd have all of their updated addresses. I know. I know. I need like a rule book. Like, do we buy siblings gifts? How much money do we spend? You know, all mm, that stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm not thoughtful. It's really something I should work on. I bought gifts for my nieces and nephews, like when they were really little or mm-hmm. like we're around and we see them because we don't see them often. Totally. But I don't ship them all something at Christmas. Yeah. See, we see them on Christmas. We yeah. always, luckily. So, or I send them Amazon to my sister-in-law for yeah. her little one. But yeah, it's this morning on the way to my mom's before I came here, Carson thought that when we were going to my parents meant like he was seeing his cousins. It was so cute. He was like, but I want to see my cousins. I'm like, God, you're so adorable. Yeah. So cute. Anyways. All right, guys. It's Friday. And you know what Friday means? It's fire time. So we are throwing down some fire today around when you get upset for results you aren't seeing because of the work you're not putting in. And there's a great quote that, you know, states that exact wording pretty much, but we need to dive deeper into that. Like what, I think sometimes we get upset because we don't truly define consistency and we don't truly define the amount of time that you should be implementing something consistently before you can get maybe, you know, a little upset about results not happening or evaluate, is this the right thing to be doing? And so this podcast is about looking in the mirror and stop getting mad at those results you aren't getting because maybe you are not being consistent enough and to check yourself first because there's really no benefit of just getting angry that's accomplishing nothing. Yeah. Evaluate it. And we've talked about this before in a lot of different ways. If you are in a phase right now where you are working hard at an intentional goal, let's say you're in a calorie deficit, you spend enough time in maintenance, and you're trying to dial things in so that you can lose some weight, there's a few things that we have to look at because 
if this is your if this is not your first time attempting to diet, it does get harder and harder every time. There are levers that we have to pull differently. And one of the things that Beck and I will tell you from our personal experience and our experience in the industry, if you're not new to dieting and you're not new to training or eating healthy, you're probably going to spend 4 to 6 weeks doing things consistently consistently before you're going to see results. That's just how it works. If your first time that you dieted, you lost 10 pounds in a month, that's fantastic. Honestly, you're probably looking at half a pound to a pound a week if this is your 16th diet attempt. Like that's mm-hmm. just how, you know, things happen especially as you get better and better with lifestyle habits and behaviors. In my cut phases, I had to not increase my daily step count by 1000 or 2000. It was like 4 to 6000 above my baseline of 9 to 10000 a day. And so I was walking 15 to 16000 steps as one of my levers I was pulling when I was in my cut phase as well as doing all of the other things with weighing and measuring my food, going to the gym, lifting. And that brings me to another point it's like, before you get mad about anything, I want you to stop and think about what could I have done better? Are there bites, licks, and tastes that I didn't track? Did I maybe track a tablespoon of peanut butter, but I didn't actually weigh it out? And so I'm not even sure. Maybe I had two tablespoons of peanut butter or you know, a big spoonful of something that was really dense in calories, let's say guacamole or avocado, and you're not tracking these things accurately, guys, all these things add up. And it can be very frustrating when you feel like you're putting a lot of effort in not to see the results. But then we have to look at where we could dial things in a little bit further. And it sucks, but it's the truth. Yep, for sure. So on this podcast, we want to define what true consistency is. Because I think a lot of people start tracking food and the act of tracking food, they feel like that's a lot. They feel like that's a lot different because you didn't used to be tracking food. But are we tracking accurately? Are we tracking and actually hitting our intake levels? So like we want we we made a list of things here that as coaches and as people that have implemented their own, you know, protocols and seen effective weight loss, like what is true consistency? Because then you can as you implement these things, you can really, really tell yourself, I have done it all. Like I have put in all of the efforts necessary to see the results. And you guys, 99% of people that do all of those things see the results. It is when we are thinking we are doing more than we are or expecting results from not very much work. And so we want to talk about what true consistency of actions looks like. Number one, you are weighing and tracking all of your food. You cannot know if you are truly in a calorie deficit without doing this. Like literally, maybe with the exception of vegetables sometimes, like leafy greens, low calorie vegetables, I still track them, but I might not be like perfectly weighing them out every single time I'm consuming them. It might, I might find a entry that's like a cup of vegetables versus 85 grams of broccoli. So like I, I know what those things look like. And I know that those are tend to be like minimal calorie changes. Um, And so for vegetables, that might be the only area that I am a little bit of a wiggle room on, but oils that you use, specifying raw versus cooked things, like all of these are weighed and measured. Especially your fats. And Mm -hmm. this is where a lot of people go wrong is because I think they just, as I mentioned before, like from the peanut butter example, they think, look, if I just use a tablespoon, well, there's a difference between a tablespoon and a heaping tablespoon. Mm -hmm. Same thing if you're pouring a bowl of cereal or a bowl of oatmeal. There's a difference between 30 grams and 40 grams. 
And it can be 15 to 20 grams of carbohydrates, depending upon what you're using, especially for things like granola or buckwheat, rice, quinoa, all of those things. And so it is really important to spend some time and learn how to track. And we have all kinds of other podcasts that you can go and listen to regarding how to track more accurately. There's things that Beck and I have both shared on our Instagram accounts regarding my fitness pal and the nuances there and things like that. And so what we always say with weighing and measuring food is like, if you are going to spend time tracking your food, be as accurate as possible. Otherwise we're just kind of wasting our time. If you're Mm -hmm. always trying to hit, you know, your protein goals, but you're never hitting your protein goals, well, then you need to adjust. You need to look at that and pivot and make adjustments. You might need to pull calories from certain meals if you find that you're hungrier at certain times of day instead of just, well, it's just a 100 calorie pack or it's just 100 calories of something, so I'll just be over 100 calories today. Well, over the course of the week, that's 700 plus calories now that you've consumed when you're trying to be in a deficit. All these things add up. And so that's really important. If you are going to be in a cut phase, you have to have intention with weighing, measuring, and tracking accurately. Mm-hmm. The second thing is only going out to eat as a necessity. When I did my six-week cut phase, we went out to eat twice before we left for Mexico because I honestly was just like, what is the point? I want to make sure that I'm doing everything that I can to optimize my results. I really don't need to go out to eat. I have a home. I have a stove. I have groceries. Like We didn't need to go out to eat. Mm-hmm. On the flip side of that, if you're in the game for a while and especially for us after like four weeks, I wanted to go out to eat. Okay. But it wasn't a need. It was a want at that point in time. And so we decided, okay, we're going to go. We're going to enjoy. I still ate well. I got fish tacos. I had one skinny margarita at that point in time because I had also been avoiding alcohol. We'll talk about that as well. But when you go out, it's not about just whatever you feel like ordering. You still need to take into consideration what your goals are and try to get the healthier things on the menu. Yep, absolutely. You have to pick the healthier things because there's larger, there's a smaller room for error. So if you pick a salad and you pick the ingredients that go on it and maybe get a lot of the ingredients on the side, the dressing on the side, you guys, the salad and the chicken and maybe some of the nuts and stuff like that, there is a much smaller margin of error of calorie counting than if you get a burger and fries. You have no clue how many carbs are in that burger. I'm sorry, how many carbs are in that bun? What percentage of fat beef they used with the burger? What? How much oil did they cook it in? How many pieces of bacon are on it? What kind of bacon is it? Is it center cut? Is it regular? Is it thick cut? How much ketchup did they put on it? There's so many more things that come into play in terms of that can make that burger, 600 calories or 1,400 calories, that's a big difference. You get a grilled chicken sandwich, much less room for error because in general, those foods are lower in calorie. And so this is why when you're in a cut phase, you want to pick generally lower calorie things when you go out to eat because even if you're a little off with tracking, it's not as big of a possible change compared to if you pick something that's very calorie dense. So although it sucks, remember, Cuts are temporary. They are short time periods that you sacrifice more for to get the results you want, and then you slowly bring in back moderation to your life. In terms of alcohol, it does not have a place with calorie deficits. It's just if you are trying to lose body fat, alcohol has been shown to slow down your metabolism for sometimes up to multiple days after consuming it. It impairs blood sugar levels. It makes sleep worse. It makes recovery worse. Like There are so many things that it impacts negatively that I'm sorry if... I think sometimes people need to visit like 
what is alcohol to you if you cannot give it up for a period of time or if you can't severely moderate it for a period of time? Well, then you have to ask yourself what your true goal is. Yes. And I know Becca and I have kind of talked on this before, but like when I was really strict in the cut, I would ask myself like, what is the point of me having five ounces of wine? Like I know I'm not going above that. So like, sure, do I want to have a sip here or there? Like sometimes if Art would have something, I'd have like a small sip, but do I really need to have five ounces? Like it's not going to do anything for Mm -hmm. me. I'm not out at a restaurant for a special occasion or a special date night. Like I, I really just don't need it. And honestly, for me, I was telling Becca this earlier today, like when we go through phases that we don't have any drinks, we just don't keep it in the house because it's there. Mm-hmm. It's tempting. Right. And so I'm just a firm believer of like out of sight, out of mind. You have no negotiation. You don't even visit that option. So this is again, where if you are struggling, evaluate the same thing with other triggers, sweets, late night snacking, binge eating, emotional eating, like you have to get to a place where you're taking care of the emotional side of these things too, because you have to draw a line in the sand and you have to work on your reactions to certain triggers and take care of those things. Take care of that you know, relationship with candy or chocolate or wine or whatever it is for you, because this doesn't just apply with alcohol. I think this applies across the board with anything that's really tempting and triggering that just doesn't serve a place in a time that you want to be dialed in and working towards a specific goal. I wanted to add something quickly here too, in terms of hunger levels. And so we talk a lot about, you know, going out to eat and how there's a lot of room for air here. One of the biggest benefits of eating one ingredient whole foods is that they are a lot less in calories and they're providing your body a lot of nourishment and nutrients. And that in turn allows you to eat for value because some people, we talk a lot about like restricting and eating 1200 you know, calories. We have a lot of people who are volume eaters. They like to eat food, myself included. Yep. And so I eat for volume in a cut. I am picking lower calorie options. I'm sticking with leaner meats. I'm maybe, you know, using like a PB2 fit powder instead of a really dense uh, peanut butter powder for a period of time. Like normally I'm not doing those things, but sometimes it can help if you need to eat for volume. So take those things into consideration too, as you're building meals at home, use a lot more of the vegetables, cabbage, bell peppers, mini bell peppers, you know, carrots, things like that, berries versus, you know, very dense fruits. Let's say here like pineapple or something that's very high in sugar. So eat for volume in a cut and that will also help you with adherence. Yep, absolutely. In terms of training, you want to make sure that you are training in a challenging way during this time. Like, yes, you might not feel as strong because you're in a calorie deficit. You might not feel as amazing in your workouts, but you need to have data. Like, know that you are progressing in some way or at least continuing to hit, you know, challenging percentages, not just doing random workouts that you're finding. Like, either increasing reps, increasing sets, increasing weight, in some way, some type of progressive overload during this time. Because a lot of times people just go through the motions. If you want to see change, you guys, there has to be change. And that's the main next point. There has to be a discrepancy from what you're currently doing. And a large enough one. Like, it has to be different than what you're doing right now. If we, We've talked about this before. If 10,000 steps is like the global recommendation, sorry, if you're already getting 10,000 steps, there's no difference there. Sure, you're maintaining a healthy lifestyle of staying active, but if you want to see change, there needs to be change. And so maybe you need 12,000 steps in your day. If currently you're doing you know, whatever workouts that you're finding on Instagram or you're following like kind of a okay lifting program that's like somewhat helping you maintain strength, level up, do something harder, 
add more intensity, add more heavy weights. Do, a, you know, if you're doing four sessions a week right now, do five ses- sessions a week if you can add it in. Like there needs to be a change of what you are doing or else there will be no change in how you look. It's just a, like, I understand that it feels hard to track food and to weigh and measure food and to, you know, get 10,000 steps a day. But I'm sorry, if you've been eating healthy for the most part and you've been getting 10,000 steps a day, you need to level up if you want to see change or else you're just going to maintain where you're at, which, you know, isn't the end of the world, guys. If you're in a healthy place and you want to live that healthy moderation lifestyle, awesome. Keep that health, keep that maintenance place. But if you want change and you're not seeing it, doesn't matter what feels healthy. Is it different enough from what you're currently doing or we're doing or not? That's basically the bottom line. And if like Liz and I have talked about with our cuts, I did a lot. I did a lot to see the change that I got. It was 15 to 20 minute weighted walk every day, no matter what was going on that day, 45 minutes of movement at least every morning. And most days, five to six days a week, that was a workout. That was like a strength training workout. I tried to take one day that was like a rest, walk, stretch recovery. But every day, 45 to 60 minutes of a workout, I weighed and measured all my food. I did not go out to eat more than once a week. And when I did, I picked something that I that it was like actually healthier than I would have normally picked. I made sure I was getting sleep. There was a lot that I was doing and it was more than I was currently doing. But that's what it took. I didn't I wasn't sad about it. I wasn't upset about it. I wasn't angry about it. I just realized this is what I needed to do. And so I did it. And it took and it, it was effective. But most people get upset. They're like, well, I, I hate that it's this hard. Why isn't this working? And we question it. We get angry about it. Instead of doing something about it, create the difference, create the discrepancy, and watch the results happen. Yep. All right. Next one is very simple, yet a lot of people do not touch this one. And that is ensure that you are staying hydrated and drinking enough water. Most Americans live in a chronic state of dehydration. Water is super, super important. It's actually the most important nutrient to the body. And so if this is an area that you are lacking, you're probably going to notice it show up in terms of bloating, constipation, feeling a little bit more fluffy. Um, You know, maybe you are feeling a little bit more tired too, because water plays a huge role in excreting toxins. It helps supporting energy. It lubricates your joints. So if you are suffering with, you know, joint pain, sore muscles, all these things are telltale signs that you are in a state of early dehydration. If you're in chronic dehydration, that's going to show up in terms of like heartburn, colitis, severe constipation, having to take laxatives and things like that. And so it's really, really important that you are drinking enough water. We cannot tell you how much water you should drink on a day-to-day basis. I don't know enough about you in terms of how many you know days you work out and do you sweat a lot in your workouts? I don't know what types of foods you consume. Do you have a lot of foods that contain water? Do you drink a lot of caffeine? Do you drink a lot of alcohol? All of those things matter. But in general, we would say somewhere in the ballpark of like 74 to 77 ounces for females. If you are sweating, I usually go up to about three liters a day, especially on days that I'm doing sprints or I'm doing something that I'm like sitting in the sauna and really losing a lot of water. And I also go off of my feedback in terms of how well is my digestion, you know, running? Am I passing bowels easily? You know, I get the normal um, sensation that I need to go. It's quick and easy to pass and it's a form stool. Or am I feeling a little bit backed up and I haven't gone to the bathroom in a day or so? I need to increase my water. Mm-hmm. Focus on your water, set alarms. Guys, this is one thing I would say that's like a pet peeve of mine when people say like, I, 
I keep forgetting to drink water. I can't drink water. It's one of the simplest things and it is so impactful if you can just make it a priority. The, the fact of the matter is it's very easy to do. It's just not a priority. Yeah. Yep. Make change. All right. Quality of food being high. Try not to fill your macros with like processed foods, even if it's healthy processed foods. Like if you're trying to get your intake and cut macros from like Quest peanut butter cups and, you know, frozen sweet potato fries constantly and, you know, rotisserie chickens versus like making your own food, it makes a difference. And especially if you typically eat relatively healthy. If you typically eat relatively healthy, this can be a difference maker. And Liz and I both feel the same way. Like when I'm in a cut, I do make my own sweet potato fries. I make my own chicken. I make my own ground turkey. I make my own vegetable mix. Like I don't buy the frozen veggie mix. I don't buy like I don't buy those things. I try to control as much as possible and it's more work. Absolutely. But it makes a difference in inflammation. It makes a difference in the quality that you're getting. And so we want to pull as many levers as possible. We want to get the most out of this process as possible. So you need to make sure that you're controlling for quality of food. And you got to manage your stress. Like this is something we do not put people lightly into calorie deficits because if there's a lot of stress going on and you got to understand too, like, is the stress chronic and never going to go away? Okay. Then we need to kind of learn to counterbalance that stress a little bit better. But if you know you have certain parts of the year that are just higher stress or you just lost a loved one or you just had a baby or whatever's going on that like is an acute stress time period, not the time to do a cut you got to manage stress because the calorie deficit itself is a stress. And so you have a ton of, if you have a ton of other stresses in your life, it's not going to be as effective. Get enough sleep, do some meditation, do some walks in nature, do as many things that can counterbalance that stress as possible so that you get the most out of that calorie deficit. Yeah. And I think too, if you are somebody who struggles with self-sabotage, one of the things that we will often do with our clients is instead of using the scale as a measure of success, we will have them write down how they feel every morning. We will have them write down, you know, just pros in terms of things that have improved from a biofeedback standpoint. Do I have better energy? Am I sleeping better? Are my clothes fitting better? Right? Do I just feel, you know, stronger in my workouts and feel like I have, you know, done everything that is in my control every day to level up? Okay, then that's all we can be doing right now. If we have all those things in place, know that the scale will budge. Sometimes it doesn't happen right away for people. Like I mentioned before, depending upon your training age and a few other factors in your life, for some people, it takes four to six weeks of being really consistent and really dialed in. But then sometimes you get that whoosh effect as well. So we've talked about this before, but this might be a period of time for let's say a week or two that you don't see the scale changing, but your body composition is still changing. Your biofeedback is good. You feel really good. Digestion is good. And then all of a sudden one day the scale drops. And the reason why we do this a lot of times with females is because we know that your period and your ovulation and different times of your cycle will impact the scale and how you feel just from water fluctuations. And we also know there's so many other things that are going to impact the number that's flashing back at you on the scale too, because it depends how much you know you ate last night for dinner. Did you have a larger meal than you normally do? Did you eat later than you normally do? So you weren't in a fasted state as long. Did you have a bowel movement? Did you sleep well? All of these things come to play. And so if you are somebody who finds that the scale triggers you to want to either fall off and say, screw it, this isn't working, put the scale away and start measuring you know, progress in other ways because it's only one measure of success. It is not the measure of success. Mm-hmm. Take pictures, take measurements, use clothes. Those can all give you really good feedback. 
And understand too, if you are somebody who sees yourself every day, all of us do, and you're taking pictures every day, you might not see the changes in your photos for six to eight weeks. But what you're going to want to do is then bump your starting photo to that four, six or eight week mark. And I promise then you will see the visual that other people see because mm-hmm. we don't see it right away. No, not at all. It, You guys, you got to be patient. Like you have to work hard and be patient those two things and make sure that you are being consistent and creating that difference between what you have been doing and what you're currently doing. You got to create a big enough difference to see the results. And it's hard. It's hard to be patient. It's easy to get frustrated. But at the end of the day, what you can live with is if you know you are doing everything you need to be doing. If you know that, if you feel it in your gut, like I am doing everything I could be doing, it's a lot easier to be patient because you know you're putting in the work. And with the work, the results will come. We promise you. So ask yourself, am I putting in enough work to see the results that I want to see? Thank you for listening to The Food Code. If this episode resonated with you, please share, rate, and review as this helps us reach others around the world. With that, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Love you guys.